Thanks for taking a moment out of your time to listen to Discussing Who. Want more comic book-related content? Then check out the Discussing Who YouTube channel. It's all about discussing comics. Visit youtube.discussingwho.com and subscribe. Again, you can go there easily, youtube.discussingwho.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode number 69 of Discussing Who, and tonight is all about discussing comics. Which comics? Well, what about Secret Empire number 10, which is the penultimate interview, I mean, not interview, but uh, episode or issue of the entire storyline with Nazi slash Hydra Captain America. And joining me tonight, as always, Clarence Brown. How are you doing? Hell Hydra. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, not really. I'm doing great, man. <laughs> so we have finished up on the series that I said in probably 10 or 15 episodes ago that I was not reading, but wound up reading the second half of it. So I guess, you know, I went back on my word, but so, I've re- read it. Yeah, what, what's, what's, what was your reading, uh, your reason for not reading again? Was it just sheer disdain of the idea of Cap being bad? No, I was uh, the Destroying sh- your childhood? Or what, what was the actual reason you were not going to read it? Okay, this is sounding unpatriotic, but I've never really been a huge Captain America fan, so it wasn't like you did what you just said, took the childhood hero and turned him bad. It, that really wasn't it. I was just so tired of marvel's event after event after overlapping axel alonzo event 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 which kind of a good point because they are taking a a hiatus after this event right supposedly Uh, 18 months uh supposedly (laughs) so you don't think that's true i don't think that's true and it's interesting that you know i've i was picking up comics the other day and i was talking to a gentleman in a local comic shop and i said um you know what are you thinking about you know have you read secret empire number 10 yet what did you think and the 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 response was more so you know i don't i haven't read it but you know, we already know what's going to happen, so it doesn't really matter if we read it or not. And I agree with that. And the flip of that was, you know, with Axel Alonso in charge, and which he has been for many years, he, uh, the the readers seem to be like ODing on event comics, you know, or huh. event series. And I agree with that. Oh, huh, that's interesting. Because, you know, I mean, you always have to do these events to get people like me in and excited uh so you know i think they do have their place okay all right so tell me why because because i'm i'm going to to uh pleasantly disagree with you but 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 tell me why what makes you say that the event comic is required well i'm not going to say required or necessary or needed i should say it's definitely i think needed in some aspects to get new readers in to pull new readers in to maybe give them a starting point to uh on an arc they can follow completely and not have to worry about other backstory and things like that though we know that's not necessarily true because all of these tie into years and years of history so I, i guess that's not completely true but by the same token why do we have the the Civil War movies? Why do we have the Infinity War movies? Those are meant to be big events to maybe pull people in who weren't interested in these in, individual characters otherwise. Okay, all right, I, I I can give you that, and you know I I know I'm saying at the same time because I'm hearing my myself in the background as well as you thinking, well, DC has events. Too, yes, you know, yes, and I'm not complaining true. about rebirth, and I'm not complaining about, um, you know, the upcoming um, time runs out or whatever it is with the Watchmen uh, that's that's coming up um, later this year. I'm not complaining about that. So the the question then becomes, what is DC doing right in the books that are that's not 
making me go, eh. Whereas Marvel, who I tend to migrate to more frequently over the years, is kind of like, meh, you know. So I don't get, I don't get what's what's missing, and I and, and I can't quite identify what that point is. Do you think Marvel versus DC has who who has more of a consequence following their these crossover events? Um, which one has more of a standing that changes the shape of the universe and everything around it going forward? Oh, that's easy. That's DC. Absolutely DC. <laughs> uh, because think about it. They have events called crisis. And when a, when a crisis happens, it's not universe shattering. It's reality multiverse shattering. So, you know, I, I, I kind of have to easily say DC has the shattering type events now have have dc kind of gone to the extreme with too many crises yes i you know there's been too many reboots i think look at how the new 52 kind of fizzled so again what is it about marvel that's just kind of like just almost boring me huh really so, I guess uh, I guess after that uh, uh, rant that I was just on, let's get into um, Secret Wars number. Oh, wait, wait, wait! I want to get on another rant. I want to ask you a question, a trivia question. So, sure. we have reviewed or talked about the trailer for Inhumans on our uh, discussing uh, who, or excuse me, discussing comics uh, channel which is a playlist on the Discussing Who YouTube channel. But anyway, um, so we've got Discussing Comics. We've talked about the Inhumans on there. Now we know it's an IMAX. So my question to you is this. How well did it do in its opening day in the theaters? You know what? I'm going to kind of piggyback off of uh, the response we actually got at the panel we had uh, at the Golden Triangle Comic Con. Which is to say nobody was excited about this okay. at all. And I think that's kind of going to be the sentiment going across the United States as a whole. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure you have details on that. Okay, well, well, well let me say this. You know, we, we all know, considering at that same panel you're talking about, there was a gentleman who raised his hand saying that he went to see Wonder Woman five times. Let us let, let let me say that I recall that Wonder Woman broke the 150 million mark uh, in her opening weekend back in May. So, uh, having said that, or was it June? Whenever, whatever you know, month it was, she she broke a you know a record, and you know that was great. But question for the opening day: so a single day. Give me a number without looking it up on your computer, which I think you are now doing from the clicks. How much? How much money? Oh man! Uh, you know, for a TV show to be in the theaters, limited release, uh, I would be surprised if it made uh, over a hundred thousand. Okay. All right. I was actually going to speculate that you would say one or two or three or five million, but 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 it actually made four. Uh, I mean, it made four hundred thousand more than what you just said. So it made in its opening day five hundred thousand. Yeah, that that sounds about right to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I guess the the things we'd have to look at are uh, what other TV based properties have been released in in theaters for these event driven uh these events um for premieres and things like that w what else is out there and what have their numbers been looking like i really don't know that's something i really haven't researched good point good point for you know for one thing we know that there have been doctor who episodes in theaters yep, certainly. so you know um and with it being IMAX, you know, not everyone ha has IMAX. And to my knowledge, in the area of Mississippi that you and I are, there's not an IMAX around here, is there? No, not that I know of. Okay. The only thing that I know that might even be IMAX-ish is the Planetarium, which I don't think would play regular movies. <laughs> and usually uh, it seems like a lot of these premieres and things like that usually do like the Phantom events where they're in select theaters, but it's a larger uh, – Swath of yeah. uh, of theaters. 
so so anyway, they uh, they got well, you know, I guess sort of okay money, but not much money. But the big thing is the reviews have been like not kind. E, which you mean Ramsey Snow didn't didn't tickle their fancy. <laughs> I, I just don't think, and, you know, and I'm going to watch it. I mean, I'm I, I'm sitting here talking about it, and I may think it's the greatest thing to ever hit television. But these are not characters that I've ever wanted to like. Oh, I'm so excited! I can't wait to see Crystal, Medusa, Black Bolt, Gargan, all of. I want to see Crystal. Yeah, <laughs> she's uh, awesome. But but aren't you kind of universally a, a, a Inhumans hater? No, uh, I, I, I wasn't. What I, I gather, I actually never had a problem with them until uh, you know the replacing of the X Men thing. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. So um, let's get into Secret Empire. So we have both read uh, Secret Empire number ten, which. Uh, if you're listening to the show, I uh, just want to give anyone listening fair warning that anything going forward from this point is a spoiler. Spoilers. 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 Having said that, we're assuming that everyone has read the book. Clarence, what did you think? You know, uh, having not read, but part of, I think I read part, uh, most or, or part of Zero that came out. Okay. Um, I didn't read any other books until this one. And I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Really? <laughs> as a, yeah, as a wrap up, I thought it was pretty interesting. There's a lot of things in there that I didn't know about uh, that I, I kind of like the resolution. You know, I could see this being the third act of a movie to where they're trying to um, wrap things up. And, and, and uh, I can see this being a dramatic dramatic arc in, in, in a movie, actually. I really enjoyed it. All right, so let me add a layer on to that for you. And, and, and tell me if this changes your opinion of it in any shape, form, or fashion. So when the whole concept of Captain America is a Hydra operative and captain america has been a hydra operative from the get-go was first released the fan base the diehard marvel fans many retailers like totally you know you know went you know left right and center crazy or however you want to say it um just bashing marvel uh, for this storyline mainly for the fact of the creators of Captain America. I mean, the the two men who created Captain America were both Jewish. And you can say that Hydra has existed longer than the Nazis uh, were in World War II, but they still were many pictures or there's pictures out there where you have the Red Skull who was working with Hitler. You have the Red Skull uh, wearing the swastika. You've got the red skull skull that you know that was German and in World War Two. There's not too many ways that you could spin that. So, so I get, you know, why a lot of people were so offended by this notion. Now, having said that, the uh, guy that was writing the book um, did an article back in, uh, I, I believe his name is Nicholas Spencer. Um, did an article, you know, shortly after the first couple of issues came out that was saying, um, you know, just bear with us. Uh, you know, this is, uh, or, or actually when he first said he was Hydra, this was before Secret Wars. This was in the book, and, and it was, yes. Standoff? Uh, we were right after Standoff, but in Captain America, Steve Rogers, number one, that was when, he said, Hail Hydra, and ah. there was this first initial outcry, and, uh, you know, the response was, this is Captain America. This is the same Captain America that you've read. This is not a doppelganger. This is not something else. This is Captain America. So, you know what? I mean, I can see why people would be outraged. I, I get what you're saying about the original uh, 
creators uh, of Captain America with Jewish, which I, I didn't know until you just told me right then. I think that's awesome. Um, but it seems like today or lately we've been in this uh, phase, and not just comics, just universally speaking, of um, what ifs slash alternate history uh, type of media. So, of course, we have on Amazon, we have a Man in High Castle, which would be if um, we lost World War II. And, and it's kind of the same thing. German, Germs, Germans and things and, and um, the Japanese are kind of have infiltrated the U.S. and we're trying to survive in the uh, aftermath of that. And <laughs> maybe to even less popularity than this book, maybe, is the Confederate thing that the showrunners from Game of Thrones are trying to do as their next big thing on HBO. So, I mean, we're, I think it's okay to maybe dive into the possibilities of what an alternate history could look like. But from our past conversations, I think the thing that that worried me most about the changes uh, to Cap and, and Secret Empire in the books before it is that they're saying they're not saying that the Cap we knew got changed. They're saying that he was always Hydra, Correct. and that's 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 the one point that kind of makes me you know uh, squirt squirt my eyes or uh, look a little harder a little bit you know because uh, do you really want to go that route? And and here's my biggest, you know, my biggest complaint with how it ended, you know, yes, it wrapped up very, very nice and neat. But if I've read an article where the writer is saying this person who is the bad guy is your Captain America that you've watched and read and, uh, you know, and watched in cartoons and read about and whatever, this is him. And then for the ending to happen the way that ending happens, you know, you can call it, oh, well, they pull that out of left field. But you said this is not going to be. And then you turn it and say, oh, well, here's good cap. And here's you know, this was really bad cap. Well, I mean, it's sort of like the um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I just can't think of one right now. But the sentiment, if you have a bad character and you took all of the badness out of them. And what you have left is this good guy over here with without all the bad thoughts. You know, it still goes back to the point where it was Cap always bad. And, you know, uh, how does that play on lovers of Captain America? But I do think in a context of having a story, it it was kind of cool, in my opinion. <laughs> OK, so did you get the uh, point of the uh, good Captain America being able to pick up Thor's hammer. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe you can explain to me why would why would the bad cap be able to even pick up his ha- hammer at all? I don't really get that. Okay. So because it's pure of heart is what right, to- and that was another thing that offended people, uh, even I think a little bit more than uh, did. Um, you know, the the simple revelation that he was Hydra was, you know, it's always been what you just said. You know, very few mortals can pick up Thor's hammer. And, you know, they've even done that in the movies where, you know, uh, Iron Man couldn't pick it up and uh, Hawkeye couldn't pick it up. And I think Cap did move it a little bit, yeah, but nobody else. It. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, in the comics, um, like I said, very few people have actually been able to pick up Thor's hammer. So to see as a comic book reader, Hydra Captain America, for all Hydra Captain America represented, picking up Thor's hammer, that was, you know, like kind of disgusting uh, to, yeah, to many I, people. I mean, I do get that, but, you know, with Cap, <laughs> it's so funny because uh, – in a lot of ways, Cap is like the golden child of comic book heroes. He's the the quintessential pure of heart character. And uh, as much as we hate it, and I do hate it, the evil Cap, well, what we're calling the evil Cap, he believed with every fiber of his being 
that he was right. And so it goes to the larger point of who's really wrong and who's really right in certain situations. And of course we knowing the, the uh, horrible atrocities committed um, during uh, Hitler's reign does not allow that any entity really tied with them to be a good, good organization. But by the same token, I, I do think that Steve, even in his wrong in this instance is still, you know, sort of like that Danny Rand blind uh, ambition or, or blind uh, mission thing. He, he believes with all his heart that he's doing the right thing. And that's just cap. It just depends on which side cap is on, you know. All right. So let me ask you a question. So I'm going to I'm going to pose a situation to you. So I want you to imagine like this, just, you know, imagine in your head and anybody listening, you know, uh, to this podcast right now, I want you to do the same thing. Imagine like an ancient old box, like a like an old jewelry box or just something that you can, you know, fit hold with two hands, just an old box. And you hear something inside rolling around and it could be either a um, stone, uh, excuse me, a a piece of wooden, uh, you know, cut out to look like a coin or it could be a gold coin. But you hear something rolling around in there and you don't know what's inside that box. It could be a priceless coin or it could be a piece of wood that's worth nothing. Okay. So if you believe that there is a golden coin in there. If you go through that mindset and you believe that there's a golden coin and you've walked around for 20 years thinking you've got this priceless golden coin, <laughs> as for all you know, it may be a golden coin, right? But yeah, you still yeah. don't know until you open it. So, so basically your reality was based on your perception because you did not know what was in that box that you were carrying around. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. Okay, so – when um and this was revealed in in the book when the two of them ran toward the um um you know the two versions of Captain America were running toward Thor's hammer that they see there on the battlefield um there's a, an a, there is an encryption or it's a, that's on the hammer and do you know what that says uh, there was two versions in those few panels. One was about uh, Hydra, and the other was about Thor, of course. Correct. But, but I, I figured the one part about Hydra had to do with the revisionist history in some way that was happening. Correct. So basically, and you're right, so Madam Hydra, unbeknownst to uh, the viewers who are reading it or the readers who are reading it, unbeknownst to the Marvel fans, she uses a shard of the um, cosmic cube to change the enchantment or basically disenchant the uh, hammer. Oh, now and, it makes sense. <laughs> okay, so it says and it changes the, the the wording to whoever holds this hammer, if he be strongest, shall possess the power of Hydra. So that is what... Uh, Steve Hydra picked up. However, when he tries to pick it up after it's been reverted, it says, uh, whoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. Well, I think that's a pretty cool way to, um, you know, I'm I'm sure it's going to tick off a lot of uh, Thor fans, (laughs) but I think that's a cool way to show how he was allowed to do that. And maybe it was something they threw threw in at the end because uh, fans were so outraged. But in any case, I do think that's a pretty cool way to play it. Okay. All right. So so we know at this point that, um, you know, we know that Odinson, uh, or the, 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 the guy that's usually known as Thor, can't pick it up. So Captain America picked it up when Thor himself couldn't. So that's, how, I guess, isn't an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll have to ask you, what do you think about this iron cap suit thing that the uh, the bad cap has going or evil cap has going on? Uh, underwhelmed. What did you think? It looked cool. Man. I mean, it did look cool, but <laughs> but but kind of, you know, underwhelmed. Oh, man. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm coming off as like much of a buzzkill, but I mean, it, it 
this whole book reading it was was like eh, okay next but in more of a been there done that sense or or you could care less sense um more more that you, you this is this is such a typical ending you know it's 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 just so marvel right now and i know i mean and i hate being like that but it was just like okay well you know next week you're going to have another uh universe shattering event so you know what comes next well they said they're not going to do that so i mean come on uh what, what do you what do you think about cap being the ultra or ultimate secret agent in this in, in the sense of of course history was reverted but uh, even like during during the events of Civil War, he was a Hydra agent, and I didn't really even know that until after reading Wikipedia, and and oh, he was he was Hydra in those books as well. I just didn't realize it because he was Ultimate Secret Agent, you know. Mm, see, and therein lies the the problem that I have with 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 the way this story went, because okay, we've talked about the Age of Apocalypse before, right? Yes. And the Age of Apocalypse created an entire alternate reality that, for the most part, ceased to being, but it was so different, and you knew it was an alternate reality. It was not a reality that one person got altered that affected, you know, history. This was a, you knew alternate had happened. Do you know what I'm saying? So so that's that's one of my problems with the way they did this was, you know, if, if you change Steve, then that calls into question that you change the entire normal history. Yeah, I don't know. But that what makes it kind of cool as well, though, uh, because of of course, we don't go on this divergent course until Steve reveals or is made known to everybody that he is a Hydra, Hydra agent. So. By that same token, it's still kind of weird to know that all this time, you know, even the Steve we know and love is a Hydra agent. But uh, a few things like I didn't know. uh, I guess I didn't read the books, but I didn't know there was a 90 year old cap that got reverted by this cosmic cube entity called Cubic. Yeah. And and you're going to tell me why is it pronounced Cubic when it's K-O-B-I-K? Well, um or maybe Kobic, you know, could be because there was a cubic before, so I may be pronouncing it uh, incorrectly. But because you, you know, the cosmic cube can gain sentience, and we've seen that happen before, um, you know, and this and this was one that did. So, um, so a little bit about the cosmic cube. Just I don't, I don't want to like take us in a different path, but the the cosmic cube. Are there many of these, and is this the same cosmic cube that eventually becomes an Infinity Stone, or is it the Infinity Stone? Or I, I'm really okay. Well, well, where you, the the routes that you're going with it are more movie based than the than comic book based. The cosmic cube has been more of a uh, look at it as a genie in a bottle. It grants you wishes. You can whoever holds. Uh, the cosmic cube can reshape reality, and generally, the people that are trying to get the co- a cosmic cube are people like Doctor Doom, or the Red Skull, or people who want to reshape out, uh, you know, reality in their image. And there are multiple cosmic cubes. Yes, there's more than one. Yes. Huh. So, uh, tell us a little bit how cu- about Cubic and how she came about, and I guess Red Skull swayed her into. Thinking Hydra is like the best thing since sliced bread, and they're good guys or whatever. Yeah, I mean, think about it. This 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 personification of this cube was a child or is a child. So, as a, any child would, you show that child, so, you know, find out what that child likes, show attention, blah blah blah. And so, so uh, did the Red Skull. So, in her mind, um, so, okay, Steve had. Something had happened to Stephen. I don't remember exactly what it was that made the super serum, uh, super soldier serum uh, longevity of keeping him young go away. So he reverted to what he would be in natural age, which was in his 90s. And wow. so he stopped being – that was when Sam took up the mantle of Captain America and he was just leading S.H.I.E.L.D. So – 
then when um, they have this Pleasant Hill um, standoff thing last year in Avengers standoff, this cubic, cubic cosmic cube entity that was t- uh, being used to uh, keep these prisoners in check by making them believe they were ordinary people, she sees Steve and she um, restores his youth. But unbeknownst at the time, the Red Skull had already gotten to her, and ah. when she restored his youth, that was when she changed his history. Cool, cool. Yeah, I know. I found it. I found it interesting. Although you know, I mean, we talk about how the sentiment plays on people that are longtime Cap fans, but I. I I think it's an interesting storyline for a comic, and I could actually see that maybe even being in a, in a movie. You know. Okay, so let me ask you this. If you're a cosmic cube or you're a sentient cosmic cube and you've just restored the uh, Captain America back to his original comic book uh, costume, not the movie version that he's been wearing for the last, you know, eight, ten years, but the original you know, wings on the ears, uh, you know, Captain America costume. So um, why did she not restore everything? Like there are two characters longstanding who were killed either by or because of Nazi Captain America. Why did she not restore those two characters? Well, I think it's like you said, it's only she, the revision, revisions only affected cap so for it to go outside and affect other things i think is beyond the scope of what she did uh, if i'm understanding correctly mm, i i could say that but you know considering the fact does that tell us uh, and i'm purposely not saying but you know who i'm talking about right as to who died i have no idea That's okay great. all right so rick jones who uh, goes back to the first issue of the incredible hulk was killed uh, Rick Jones was who Bruce was trying to get out of the, um, you know, he had driven a Jeep out onto where this blast was about to take, you know, effect. And that's why Bruce is going out to try to uh, get this kid that's, um, you know, wandered on to this military base before they're about to do, uh, you know, an explode, you know, they're about to explode a gamma bomb. It's because of Rick that uh, Bruce becomes the Hulk in the first place. So okay. that's, that's how far back Rick goes. And the other person is in the Avengers movie, also known as, uh, or better known, or I haven't even said a known, but it's uh, the Black Widow. Hmm. Well, I see the Black Widow's connection, but what is the Rick Jones connection to Cap? Well, uh, he's been, you know, hanging around Avengers pretty much... Uh, off and on since 1963 or whenever the Hulk was created. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I still think that the the rent or the changes really just only affected Cap at that point. Until you know he's trying to gain all the shards so he can actually change the whole world to be a Hydra society. Reminds me a lot of uh, the Lie of the Land and Doctor Who. Actually, point taken, and I agree with you there. And it, it, it's very revisionist, and yeah, so very, very, you know, very, very good uh, parallel there. So let me let me let me kind of change us uh, change our topic here for a second, or lead us into another direction. Remember when we were talking about uh, legacy, also on YouTube, um, we were saying, or I, I I made a comment about the disappearing heroes and they were being transported back to see their younger or older selves or in the case of gene but they were going and pairing with past versions of themselves and i said it didn't really explain as to who sent them there yeah but this sounds like another event but go ahead (laughs) okay so we find out that it's uh cubic or Kobik, or whatever her name uh, is. Because remember, at the uh, end, she, it, it makes reference to her sending the heroes uh, through the vanishing point, as she calls it. Well, I guess I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's right after um, Steve gives the hammer back to Jane Foster Thor. Huh. So that's how they're going to do all this. Right. <laughs> 
Which so, that that makes sense, kind of in the context of this, you know, ever growing story. But, um, you know, will it have further implications of them going back, or is it just like a vacation, or you know, <laughs> what is the actual implications of them doing this? Well, it comes the end of September, I suppose we'll find out with not an event. But a <laughs> one shot, I believe, called Marvel Legacy Number One. Huh. That's where we get to meet the Avengers One Million BC. Which, after looking a little bit closer, I think that could be kind of cool. Maybe. Yeah, Ghost Rider riding a woolly a woolly mammoth. Okay. <laughs> sure. And, and you know what? I may be coming back six months from now saying. Oh my goodness! This is the best book I've ever read. But mm. yeah, which is funny because they did a Far Cry. Uh, I don't know if you heard of that video game series called Far Cry. Yep. Uh, they went back to the prehistoric age. I don't think it did very well, but you know, I, you know, I I just don't know. I mean, and maybe they've got something really really fantastic coming from this. But I want to make a comment on you said that there's you know no more. Uh, uh, events for 18 months, right? And, I, and and I've read that too. But 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 that's what we've said. No more big crossover events for eight, at least 18 months. Yep, that's that's what we said. Okay, so right before we got ready to start recording, and it's just so funny that we, that that you mentioned this at the beginning. I was doing some uh, reading research, trying to find some things to talk about for this episode, and in doing so. I saw this trailer uh, that they were showing for Marvel Legacy, and it said, and the tagline was, every book is an event. <laughs> oh, that sounds like the ultimate pitch right there. Yeah. But if I'm burned out on events, I don't want every book to be an event. I just want a good story. Well, I mean, that may be part of the focus, though. The 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 drive is to make... You know, instead instead of having this event where everybody's coming together for this one world changing thing or universe changing thing, let's let's put a little more focus on, like you just said, the writing of each individual book to make their current arcs as 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 best they could be. Okay, let me let let me pose this to you. I remember a day in comic book uh, happenings. When you had a story, and I rem- and this is a- an actual story that I can remember to this day, that was, uh, you know, oh, actually I'm thinking of two, but I'm thinking of one that started in the pages of the Avengers, and it's where the Avengers um, found this pod in the bottom of a lake, and then. Uh, uh, maybe a week or two later, and it said at the end of that book, you know, to be continued in Fantastic Four number uh, 287, I think, was the, or 187, but w- whatever, whatever the number was, but, you know, to be continued in Fantastic Four. So you pick up one week, two weeks later, Fantastic Four, and it's part two of this book where they open this cocoon that has this woman in it that hadn't been seen since the seventies <laughs> who was Jean gray. And it yeah. said, you know, to be continued next month in X factor number one. So, you know, back then, so you had a story that was a crossover between two books that was really, you know, an X-Men story, an Avengers story, it's, but it it was much more organic than today. It would have been a mini series called, you know, Avengers, Fantastic Four, X Men: The Return of Jean Grey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do agree with you on the organic part of that. Uh, and it's, I think, it's interesting to go back to these uh, more sounds like interweaving arcs, yes. rather than. You know, we're having this one big event. Every book in the, the lineup is affected by this one event. And, you know, for the next six months, we're going to, you know, go toward this goal in each book. So I think it would be cool to have, uh, you know, maybe a little bit harder for the reader to keep up. But I do think it might be cool to have this ongoing interweaving storyline between books. All right. So let me ask you this from a commercial 
point of view, and I don't mean it from the business. I, I mean it from the, um, you know, from the reader, from the pocketbooks of the people who, whether they be teenagers, whether they be children, whether they be adults like you and I. Back in the days that I'm referring to, the stories, yes, you might miss a chapter or so from, you know, if you didn't read or didn't have access. So I get that point that you might not get the entire story. But if you had a certain amount of allotted cash to purchase comics and you already read one, two, three, four, five books, whatever those five combinations were. So if you had five books and you had a crossover story that impacted three of those books, you still were spending your money on those five comics. You didn't have to go out and buy, you know, six comic, which is the main uh crossover event and maybe seventh comic which is a sister um yeah. story and eighth comic which is a brother story to it you see <laughs> yeah. where i'm coming yeah it, it that, that makes a lot of sense not and, and i think now more than any time we're more suited for those type of interweaving books you know because you could just go online you know maybe if on marvel.com they put up read the the blah 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 arc. Here's right. the books you need to read, and, and there they you out, go. Exactly, they tell you exactly what you need. Sort of like uh, I know people have these quick watch guides to uh, series of of Doctor Who or Star Trek or whatever. You know, if you want to get the full story, here's the episodes you really need to watch. I can see a similar thing starting to happen happen for you know less event focused. Uh, comic arcs that are interweaving you know here are the books you need if you want to get this full story i think that could be pretty cool okay so let me ask you this um if you were to look at where you see the marvel universe going or whether you see from what you've read from dc if if you had i'm going to say I, I'm, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to say $50 a month, that you had extra $50 a month to spend on comics and you were going to start reading out of that $50 that you've got extra to spend and devote to comics. Which do you see based on what you've read? Not the movies, not the TV shows, <laughs> but just on the comics which one do you think you would be more inclined to read? <sighs> or would it be both? So it, I'll give it, you. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's funny because it still feels like, even though I know Marvel is more prevalent in the movies and no, no, you say we're not talking about the movies to me, it still feels like DC is, should be better in the movie universe than in comics. And I know it's the total opposite from what you told me. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm a Marvel person for the most part. There's way more characters on the Marvel side that interest me uh, than on the DC side. So that is probably the route I take, the Marvel side. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, what is it that you would say that for an average or sidelined reader that was trying to get into comics – what would you say that would be more appealing about Marvel? And this is not anything to do with, uh, these, you know, the the Secret Wars or disliking or or Secret Empire or whatever you want to call it. Um, this is just comics in general. What do you think makes Marvel for a new reader more uh, not encouraging but uh, 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 welcoming well, than I mean, maybe I DC? Yeah, I mean, I think we've already always said this. Or we said this before. Um, it's just relatability. I think is the main thing. Um, so for me, that's what is a little more appealing on the Marvel side. To me, the DC characters seem more larger than life. Um, which that there are a lot of relatable characters on the DC side as well. So this is this is not from an expert view like yours. This is from more of a novice novice point of view. <laughs> I'd be interested in in knowing your opinion on, on those questions as well. Um, well, for, for you know, there's no there's no expert. This is just uh, the <laughs> the kid that never grew up and kept reading comics. So uh, you know, let me say that. But um, 
I don't know because there's there's things about DC that I find almost and I don't want to say unapproachable, but that are like you said a little bit larger than life. But there's something about DC, and and, and I'm going to tie it into the same line of fascination that I have with Doctor Who. Any time that I can see two versions of more than one character together, or one character and having multiple versions, uh, you know, I even made a comment. We were talking to Lee earlier today about which we, which story we were going to review next out of classic Doctor Who, and I even made that same comment earlier today. Anytime I can see more than one Doctor, you know, my brain goes squee. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so I I'm fascinated, totally fascinated by the fact of you can have our, our before crisis. You could have a golden age Wonder Woman teaming with a younger age Wonder Woman or a golden age Superman teaming with a current younger uh, Batman. I just something or to have both Batman together or both Superman together. And then you also had an evil version of all of those characters. Whereas with Marvel, they're doing, they're doing sort of the same thing. They, now. They, they, yeah, but they don't have traditionally that kind of, yes, they have, you know, different worlds. And yes, you have an older Wolverine that's not really, well, is Wolverine from another world, blah, 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 blah. But there's just, I don't know. There's something that was iconic about those characters meeting that I just don't feel with um, Marvel. The flip of that is I could see myself wanting to live in the X mansion. You know, <laughs> you know, be it, you know, and, and, and as a teenager, it would be like, oh, cool. You know, uh, the X-Men were like really, really cool. And even with the X-Men cartoon, it was like, oh, wow, you're seeing the mansion for real. I mean, those, you know, couldn't wait. And it was just a, you look at them now and they're so dated and they're so cheesy, but it was so exciting. So, so Marvel does touch on a point that I don't think DC does that connects with people. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. And when you get into, uh, also what makes me excited about the Marvel stuff is more of their, you know, second characters are more within the confines of the story rather than, I guess, on the DC side, it's, you know, alternate universes or alternate Earths or whatever. You know, I think the advantage of it being more in the context of the story, whether it's somebody taking up the mantle or in a few cases we have people coming from back in time or whatever. But I think that kind of leads itself, lends itself more to, in the future of the MCU, we're having new people take up the mantle and the story goes on. It keeps continuing, you know, in the same same MCU without the need for a reboot or anything like that. So I, I think, you know, I know we're not talking about the movies, but I think when I look at that and look at what they can do with the movies with those stories, it kind of excites me. Okay. And, and the simple fact, I think, that we can have a discussion like this about comics and debate it, you know, says something about these characters. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I, I just hope, you know, here, here's, here's my hope going uh, past, uh, you know, into what legacy is. I won't, you know, and I made, uh, you know, a comment earlier about Axel Alonso, and this guy has a reputation. Uh, you know, I've talked to several people. I've read several things. He was once over as an editor uh, of Vertigo, which was that um, adult version or more out there version of the DC characters. And he uh, was, to my understanding, pretty much known for Vertigo's demise or you know going away almost completely having said that you know i find and i look back over the years that i have been migrating more toward dc and and less toward marvel he's been in charge since he Uh. became um um you know the editor-in-chief of marvel comics that being said i hope 
whatever his plans are for Marvel going forward does something that makes me go, I can't wait to uh, read these books again. Because even with the X-Men's reboots that they've had, you know, less than six months ago, I'm already bored with them. Hmm. Hmm. And it could it be that, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just <laughs> the writing is just not what you're into. And I mean, granted, if they're doing things that are more exciting on the DC side, you know, that that go where the excitement is. I don't think you should be beholding to any any one side. So, I but think they're that's the cool. X Men. That's my problem. <laughs> they're the you know they are the book that I would read last because you saved the best book for last. And 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 there have been days that I've or weeks that I've gone by and oops I forgot to read an issue. Hmm. So not your daddy's X Men is what you're no, saying. No, basically. <laughs> so. Uh, do you have any other point about that? Because there's a bit of news I'd read uh, yeah, no, I want to talk about. Yeah, right let's go to the news. Yeah, so um, there was an article that I read. I think it was on comicbookhype.com or okay. Superhero Hype. Uh, I think it's the actual site. And they were talking about the guys that are behind this supposed uh, 1980s Joker villain film flick. Uh, they are trying to get Guess who to play the Joker? What, Miss, what is the first person Miss, at the top of your mind? You oh, probably uh, read it already. Oh, uh, let me guess. Uh, he's he's famous for a movie of Titanic proportions. <laughs> yes. So supposedly uh, Martin uh, Scorsese is supposed to be involved in some fashion, which is kind of the hook they're trying to use to maybe get a Leonardo DiCaprio to come in to play the Joker, which is kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, I, hey, uh, you know, no one expected Heath Ledger's Joker to be interesting, and you know, he's now, uh, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately, we lost him way too soon, but he is for will be forever remembered for his portrayal of such a psychotically evil but mesmerizing Joker. Yeah, believable. believable. Yes, and so you know. Um, I, I think it's you know inc- entirely possible that he may do a, a, an amazing job. Yeah, I mean uh, uh, Academy Award winning, but you know I I just think this whole uh, we're gonna have separate movies in the same universe but different actors is still kind of weird. Though I think they went back on the notion that there'd be another. Batman or non Ben Affleck Batman. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. True. A movie. I think I heard they went back on that. And uh, so I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of weird where DC is doing in the movie space right now. I guess we just have to sit back and wait and see. Uh, I also saw where, um, and I wish I had the article up and I don't even remember the actor's name, but I think they did cast a Robin for the Titans show slash movie. I can't remember which yeah, one yeah, it is. It's, it's a, it's a Hydra, uh, show uh, i mean not a hydra uh it's a, it's a uh it's a um tv show i believe and evil kyle it, evil kyle evil kyle and it, it is uh pirates of the caribbean and the giver star brenton thwaites ah. waits maybe hmm. um joined the live action teen titan series in the role of dick grayson also known as robin before he was known as nightwing yeah, I, you know, if DC wants to do something really cool, make a Teen Titans movie. That would be awesome. That has Donna Troy in it. <laughs> of course. Yes. Of course. Your favorite. So so I, I, I want to uh, mention something else that was actually literally not in comic book news, but actually on ABC News. And I posted this uh, to our Facebook page earlier today or, or either last night. Uh, I think it was last night. But Anyway, do you, you remember the Spidey team that we met at Mississippi Comic Con? Yes, I do. They were awesome. That's, yes, they were. And in addition to that, I was seeing, and I did not know that this was one of them, but one of them, and he's actually called Houston Spider, and you can go to Facebook and actually find his page, but he's actually uh, one of the uh, guys that is part of the Spidey team, uh, or the, uh, and he went 
to one of the shelters in Houston, because he's obviously from Houston, dressed up as Spider-Man to kind of cheer up uh, kids that were in the post-flooding Houston. So that was like really, really cool to watch and cool to know that you've met somebody that did something that cool. Oh, yeah, that that's extremely awesome, man. I, I didn't realize that. And so, just in general, I guess we want to just give up our uh, hearts and minds to the people that were affected by uh, the storm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I want to mention real quick something else that's going on this weekend, something that you and I did not have an opportunity to coordinate ourselves to uh, to go. But maybe next year might be something different. Maybe we could get Lee to meet us there. Uh, because I do think Matt Smith's there this weekend, which is oh. uh, Dragon Con. How do we not go, man? I wanted to go. I couldn't get you guys on board. <laughs> so here's here's the deal. Uh, two of uh, you know we met uh, uh, the gentleman that created Tuskegee Airs at Mississippi Common Con, and they are there. So we've already given a shout out to them. But I wanted to um, you know give another uh, mention on this episode. And so if you are at Dragon Con, you're listening to this. Hopefully, this will go out tonight or tomorrow while dragon con is still on so if you're at dragon con you know go by and see them and dietrich smith is also there who we met yes. uh you know at golden triangle comic con so um but and both of them are there so um any any other news you can think of uh no man i think we pretty much covered it all right well let me ask you if uh people were looking for other things that you are involved in or starring in or on where, what, and where might that be? So I do this other podcast and we talk about Star Trek and you're on it as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, I am. I forgot. <laughs> so, so the, that you can find that podcast on iTunes as well as any of the other podcasting platforms out there, but you can also go to our website. Uh, that is stdpodcast.com where we talk about the upcoming series, uh, Star Trek Discovery, as well as all things things Trek. So, yeah, definitely if you're a Star Trek fan, uh, uh, visit the site and, you know, um, take a listen to the podcast. Yeah, I think my memory had been transported uh, by a caretaker to the Delta Quadrant for there for a second. <laughs> um, but I also th- uh, think... Stay out of the Badlands. Yeah, exactly. So I think you are also involved in another podcast called the Techpedition Podcast with your brother, Carrie. Is that correct? Yeah, that's at uh, T-C-H-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-N.com. Latest episode was about Sonic Mania and just video games in general. So, yeah, if you're interested in video games, you should definitely check it out. So, Kyle, uh, what have you been up to, man? All right. Well, other than uh, doing this particular podcast, I can also be found on uh, Doctor Who Podshock at podshock.net. And also, you and I have a YouTube channel, and you can subscribe and go to that at uh, youtube.discussingwho.com. And it would not be right to not also mention that our fellow co-host, Lee Shackelford, is wrapping up Season 2 of the Relativity Podcast. And you can find out more about how to support and listen to the Relativity Podcast by going to relativitypodcast.com. Yeah, we're in the home stretch of our Relativity Podcast. And I have predictions, which I need to... uh uh, pick Lee's brain for us. So that's going to be fun when we get to catch up with him. Yeah, and we need to do a Relativity Season 2 review. That would be cool. Oh, yes. And, the, you know, we are lucky. We get to do a Relativity Season 2 review with the star and creator, which is kind of <laughs> freaking cool. Yes, uh, definitely awesome. All right. Well, for everyone listening, you can also send us feedback. You can do that by going to our website, looking on there to how to contact us, or you can just uh, look in the show notes down below, uh, and that is also in there. But you can basically send us an email. You can do that to discussingwho at gmail.com. You can record an audio file, send that to us. We'll play it on the show. And, you know, you can send us written feedback, uh, and we will, if whatever the topic is, like, for instance, we've gotten one from a gentleman that we will be playing in our next Doctor Who review. So, having said that, for everyone listening, 
thank you for your time. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation. And if you agree or disagree, you know, like I said, send us some feedback. Let us know. And with that, we will talk to you guys next time. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that? You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.